Check, check, check. Microphone check. Welcome to the Blaze the Lion podcast. I am your host, Blaze. Yes, yes, yes. We are on. We are live on Facebook and on YouTube. All right. So make sure you like, love, and of course, share. Tell a friend to tell a friend to tell a damn friend. All right. About the Blaze the Lion podcast. I love it. I love it. So, mm-hmm. for those who love the support, <laughs> all right, and you would like to join in in the movement, you can support, all right, every month. The link is below, anchor.fm, and there are three tiers, three levels where you can support anywhere from 99 cents a month all the way up to $10 a month, all right? And you not only get access to the podcast, but you also get some free stuff. You get Blazer Line podcast t-shirts, you get wristbands, you get access to upcoming events that will help you blaze your purpose, walk in your purpose, recognize what your personality type is, so you can dominate, so you can take over, essentially, so you can change the world. Let's change the world together. Yes, indeed. All right. Hey, Jackie, how are you? All right. So tonight's guest is ready. But are you ready? He's ready. (laughs) He's definitely ready. But are you ready? Tonight's guest is, here we go, a two-time track and field Olympic athlete. Yeah, you heard right. Hmm. He wasn't just running on the block with his friends. He was putting in real work. All right. This person has been through adversity, but yet has overcome, been able to pivot, been able to adjust, been able to get his mind right. Hmm. And is today still making a difference, still being a influencer, still being a world changer. Hmm. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. I love seeing people elevate. I love seeing people able to dive into life and learn those lessons and then able to share those lessons and share that experience with others because we all go through it. We all suffer. We all struggle. But it's your choice whether you stay in that struggle or you learn, right? You make those necessary moves. And you elevate. It's through that elevation hmm, where that power lies. So enough rambling on my side. Let me just get right to it. Because I know you guys are not here for me. You don't care about me. You guys are here for my guests. I already know. And it's okay. So tonight's guest. Are you ready? Are you ready? Introducing none other than. Jason Jones, welcome to the pod, my brother. Hey, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Awesome. 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 So I gave the people a little bit of an intro about you, but tell the folks a little bit about yourself. Okay. So my name is Jason Jones, uh, born and raised in Germany. My father was in the army. uh, So I grew up overseas. I lived in Germany, Korea, Chicago, but I graduated high school from Germany. Uh, 
went to the floor, uh, went to the Florida State University. Uh, graduated. Yeah, 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 that's the best school out there. The only school I really recognize. Yeah, but um, went to Florida State, uh, graduated with a Bachelor of Science in Information Studies uh, and a Master of Science in Information Technology. Uh, I pledged Alpha Phi Alpha Fraternity Incorporated. And um, long story short, I'm a financial advisor uh, helping clients and helping people um, overcome some of the challenges that I had to overcome myself financially, emotionally, and um, somewhat spiritually as, a, as well. Mm, I love that. I love how you brought up those, those layers, man, because things that we go through in life, it's not just physical, right? Right. right. I mean, it may feel just physical, but it's not. It's yeah. definitely mental as well. And then what you just mentioned, it's also spiritual. There is also a spiritual aspect. Yes, right. indeed. Yes, indeed. So what brought you? Well, first off, let's let's talk about Germany. Yeah. Germany is a place that I've my parents have gone to and traveled the whole world without me. And then when I was born, they were kind of done traveling. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about Germany, about growing up in Germany. Yeah, it's interesting because, you know, I was born there. Um, I actually went to a German preschool. And so I remember very vividly where I spoke German. I spoke German at, at, at preschool or, or kindergarten, but then I would come home and speak English to my parents. Mm. And so when I moved to the suburbs of Chicago, when I was um, seven, six or seven, uh, for five years, it was actually six. So for five years, I was, you know, immersed in American culture, right? So I didn't have anybody to speak German to for those five years. And when I went back to Germany, when I was 11, I it was a foreign language to me and I couldn't pick that up, you know what I mean? And so I thought I could pick it up. And so from Germany, we went to Korea. And then from Korea, we went back to Germany and I tried to take German in high school and I couldn't pick it up. It was so difficult for me. Wow. But I knew that, I mean, I was bilingual when I was a kid, so I knew I had it in me. It's just mm -hmm. I wasn't disciplined enough to to like immerse myself in it. But Germany was cool. Like it was a great experience. It's probably the, one of the best places I, I could vividly remember. Have all of my good friends. I'm still friends with my friends from high school, believe it or not. Okay. And great, great experience, you know? Yeah. Nice, nice, nice. Yeah, you know, some of us here, we just are born and raised in Miami, you know. <laughs> no. Right. <laughs> no international experience as a kid. That's awesome. That's awesome. So from Germany, what led you to the FSU? So uh, my my best friend at the time, uh, he only used to talk about FAMU. Um, I didn't really have a preference of schools, you know, a lot of the kids that grow up overseas um, typically, you know, follow their parents' footsteps and go right into the military after high school. Mm -hmm. I mean, I had I had like a high top fade, you know what I'm saying? I used to rock some earrings, so I did not want to go into the military. I didn't want to cut my hair. I didn't want to take out my earrings. And so um, leading up to my, you know, senior year, uh, I didn't really apply to any schools. I mean, I was an athlete, but I wasn't the best athlete at my school. And so uh, recruiting is different in high school uh, or in Germany. It's a different 
it's it was different back then, like 25 years ago. But it was just more of a you apply for a school, you have to send your your game film or whatever you wanted to do. Right. Uh, and the school would either take you or not. Um, so my friend talking about FAMU, I applied to FAMU. I applied to Florida State. Um, I applied to Alabama A&M and uh, Virginia Union because my sister was going to Hampton at the time. Okay. So uh, when I got into FAM, you know, I thought that that was cool, but I would have had to go through like their summer program. And then Florida State gave me my acceptance letter. And uh, and I also got invited to walk onto the track team. So that was it was a done deal. All those other schools, uh, it didn't matter to me. So that's how I ended up at Florida State. Mm. My dad, my father loves track and field. Yeah. My dad used to actually run um, track and field okay. uh, like in Jamaica back in the day. Many, many right. years, yes. And me, I was just the fastest kid on my block. That was as far right. as it went. It didn't, it didn't go anywhere else. But It's crazy because I wasn't even the fastest kid on my high school track team. You know what I mean? And and I walked onto the track team. And uh, over the course of my freshman and sophomore year, I was kind of like, they had like a like a B team. You know okay. what I'm saying? Because like the, the level of competition in Germany is totally different than the level of competition here in the United States. And so um, walking onto the team, I mean, essentially uh, you were like junior varsity, even though you're on, you know, the team. And so I just worked my tail off and mm. going into my junior year, like literally I asked my coach, like, what is it going to take for me to take it to the next level? And uh, he told me, he like really challenged me because I asked him if I could run, like, you think I could run this fast time? And he was like, no, you can't. But if you wanted to, uh, you're going to have to put in like two hours in the gym over the summer. And that's exactly what I did. And I came back uh, totally different. Mindset was different. And mm -hmm. uh, I basically was was elected by my team, team captain. So like I was nominated team captain. I earned a scholarship and like life changed for me. I became the guy on campus. I was one of the fastest in the conference and um, couldn't tell me anything. Plus, I was a walk on. So, yeah. You know, on to become a scholarship athlete, it was a huge deal. And then from my high school, I wasn't the fastest, but I became, my times became faster than any guy, you know, any of my high school friends. And so any of my friends that went to college playing sports, they stopped playing because the level of competition was too high. And right. so they, they ended up, most of them from my high school uh, senior class, like stopped playing sports after freshman year. Cause it was tough. I mean, listen, I walked onto the football team and uh, because I was already on a track team, they basically said, listen, you know, there's like 50 of you guys here, like 49 of you guys are not going to make it. Mm. And the one person that does make it won't see the field until he's a junior. So wow. I was, that's crazy because, you know, I didn't know at the time they wanted to see who wanted it. You know what I mean? Like they really wanted to see who wanted it just because, just because you come and you were talented in high school doesn't mean you can make it on the college level. Right. I mean, it's crazy. But three years later, that same coach saw me in the training room. I had already started running fast, uh, already started making my name for myself, not only at the school, but like in the conference. And that same coach asked me to come play football. And mm -hmm. uh, he was like, I need somebody with your speed to, um, to be on the team 
And the crazy thing is that very next year, the quarterback won the Heisman. Oh, wow. And then the receiver that essentially, I mean, and not taking nothing away from this guy, but the receiver that I would have been kind of competing for positioning, he led the NCAA with receiving yards huh. and ended up getting drafted in the second round. Oh, wow. To the NFL. So it's like, not saying that I would have been that guy, but like he led the, the NCAA in receiving yards and your quarterback wins the Heisman because he threw the most yards, you know, and scored the most touchdowns. So it's like, that was a positioning. That was like a game changer life decision. And I said, no, I'm focusing on going to the Olympics. You know what I mean? Like I'm focusing on going to the Olympics when three years prior, I wanted you guys, but you didn't want me. And now yeah. that you want me, I don't even want you. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. So, this is wow. crazy. Life is funny. Yeah. Definitely timing. Definitely timing. In the chat, anybody play sports, whether in high school or in college? I am curious. Anybody play any kind of sport? I don't care what it is. Anybody play any sports? If so, put it in the chat. I would love to see that. All right. So now you're a, you're a collegiate athlete. Yep. Making moves. Um, so your name is popping in that school and different schools, I'm sure. Yep. So was going to the Olympics always a goal? Was that always a dream or did that come about during college or was there a certain coach that? Yeah. So that's a great question, man. Listen, coming out of high school, I was really undecided. Didn't really know what I really wanted to do in life. Um, I really honestly wanted to be a football star. I just wasn't big enough, you know what I mean? And like in high school, I just didn't grow. I wasn't growing. So I got to school, I was small, didn't have any muscles. And I was, I just had the heart. So the friend I told you about um, that only talked about FAMU, my best friend from like ninth grade, he ended up passing away our freshman year in college. Mm. So like that kind of left me by myself again. I didn't know anything about Tallahassee. I, again, I, I grew up overseas and right, right. Korea. I didn't really know anything. Right. So, so when he left me, kind of, I call it like he left me. Um, when he, you know, passed away, I had to figure out like, do I really want to stay here in Tallahassee? Because you know, my parents are in Germany. Uh, my sister left uh, Virginia, so she was back in Germany. So, I didn't really have any true family per se, close family, you know that made sense right so i had aunts and uncles but again because i traveled around i didn't really have really true close bonds with them so you know the olympics was always like like the ideal dream it's like okay you want to play in the nfl and you want to go to the olympics i mean what are you playing sports for you want to be the best get to the get to the top and so those two years of kind of like being on jv it was like I kind of had this come to Jesus moment where it's like, what are you doing? You know, your best friend, you know, passed away. You said at the funeral, you're just going to dedicate your career to him. And like, you're not really, you're not holding up the light. And, um, you know, then the coach kind of like challenged me, but kind of tried me too. And uh, that just kind of fueled me. And going into my, my junior year was like game changer. You couldn't mm -hmm. like, I was racing everybody. I was not afraid of anybody. I was racing everybody. So it was just one of those things where 
the Olympics was, it was super far away as a freshman, as a junior, it was like, oh yeah, I got this. I'm going to, I'm going to win a national championship. I'm going to go straight to the Olympics, but I peaked too early. So I peaked like in 1999, you know what I'm saying? Uh, and the Olympics is in 2000. So I had a really awesome season my junior year going into my senior year had the same mentality but the school they ended up changing strength and conditioning coaches and they mm -hmm. felt like hey uh you should train this way because it's a better way and so even though i was smaller i'm strong for my size so i was built i was i trained like a power like a power sprinter lifted heavy you know, I maxed out at like 315. I squat like almost 500 pounds. It was like all that strength in that small body. Like that's how I trained because our strength and conditioning coach trained me that way. Right. Going into my senior year, uh, we changed, right? Changed strength and conditioning coaches, changed philosophies. Mm -hmm. I had the wise idea to pledge. Again, I felt like I could do everything. I pledged the fall semester. Fall is when you get your base work in. So there was a lot of uh, late nights and um, early mornings and still had to do school work and still had to do uh, everything. Yeah. You know, and 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 I was losing out on training. And then uh, New Year's Eve, 1999, my grandfather passed away. Mm. And then um, January 23rd, 2000, my oldest sister passed away. So, oh, wow. like, you know, you have these two major tragedies in your life on top of not really training well on top of going into the last year of school yeah, to be the first graduate of your, of your kind of like your family, but also being the, you know, cause I, cause what I did the year before was qualified me for the Olympics, but now I'm racing, uh, running these horrible times, but I'm destined to go to the Olympics. And in, and in 2000, the Olympics was like, in, in in the fall because it was in Australia. Right. So we graduated in, I think, uh, April that year. Uh, ACC championships was in, it was in April. Graduation was in April. Um, so you had May, June, July, August, September. Like, yeah, like four months that you had to find races. And so I went to, I went to Texas and uh, trained in, in Texas and we raced in Mexico and 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 again i didn't do so well you know what i'm saying like i didn't do so well and it just it made me really kind of reevaluate life um, so, you know, i i thought that you know again i came from like being a walk-on to being the best guy on campus and in one of the best in the, in the conference to barely surviving even competing the very next year um, and then going to the olympics not as the best version of myself right. so it's one of those things like you went to the olympics yeah i went to the olympics did you win i i, I didn't lose you know <laughs> like there's i beat i beat enough people not to lose but i didn't beat the right people yeah you follow me yeah 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 so it's kind of like it's 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 one of those things where I went to the Olympics. I, I ran, gave it my best. I knew that wasn't my best, but I gave it the all that I had at the time. Kind of put that out of my mind, went back to school. You know what I'm saying? Like went back to school, got my master's degree, hooked up with some of my old teammates, and then decided I was going to put away track and field. Let me focus on football. 
And so I went ahead and figured out what it would take to try to play football, which is crazy. It's a crazy story because, uh, and, and I learned a lot through this process where I essentially went back to the school and asked, you know, well, I didn't compete all four years that I was in school, so I should be able to have one year of eligibility. So I ended up talking to that compliance director uh, who essentially made me write a letter to the ACC and the NCAA to petition them to give me a year back. I then talked to the football program and essentially they said, if you get your year back, we will, we will give you a chance to try out for the team and make the team because we know you're trying to go to the NFL. So that whole summer, I it's crazy. I ended up going to the registrar office and I had all of the, the grades that I had D's in, like all of the classes I may have had D's, like a couple D's for my freshman year. They dropped those off my transcript. Mind you, I graduated already, right? Um, and I was in grad school. So I graduated, they dropped those off my transcript. What that means is you, uh, your athletic clock starts the moment you become a full-time student. Full-time is like 12 credit hours. So when you go to my freshman year and you drop some, some of those classes, I'm not a full-time student. Right. So they like prolonged um, when my first year to start my athletic clock. So you have, you have four years, you have five years to compete for, like you have five years to do four years of eligibility. They'll give you back some years if there's like medical red shirts and whatnot. So I went back and I started digging. I didn't know that I had like an irregular heart rate like an irregular heart reading my freshman year when I took my physical, they gave me a year back for that, right? They gave me a year back because I went to the Olympics. They gave me a year back because I went to world championships the very next year um, in 2001. Okay. And then they gave me one other year back, but it really boiled down to I had been in school. Like I had, I had started the process one year late. So had I started the process like in 2001 to 2002, it would have worked. But I started it in 2002 for 2003 and it didn't work. But I learned a lot because I essentially uh, would go talk to, I would go um, sit at the football office for two hours every day for like, uh, for like two months straight. So every day at three o'clock, I would go and sit at the office because I wanted to I wanted to talk to the coach. Right. So they would always tell me the coach is busy. The coach is busy. Okay, no problem. I'll sit and wait. So for two months straight, every day at three o'clock, I would go there and sit. Finally, one day they said, okay, the coach will see you. And the crazy thing is the coach's office was like literally right on the other side of the door. So right. he's Jason, I saw you every day. And I, I was telling myself, like, how many days will this young man come before he won't come anymore? And he said, after you kept on coming consistently at the same time he was like i have to figure out how can i help this young man huh. so that's how i met you know uh one of the best coaches you know sons you know bobby bowden's son jeff bowden uh he was a receivers coach at the time he said how can i help you because like you must be a screen you know extremely determined and i told him listen that track thing, you know, years ago you came and asked me if I wanted to play and I turned you down, but now I want to play because I want to go to the NFL. And he was like, it's very rare that anybody learns our system and plays the same season, but I know what you're trying to do. If you get eligible, come on and I'll, and I'll put you on the field. So 
it's just never really manifested itself. But I, I learned that, listen, if I want something bad enough, nobody's going to stop me. Yeah. You follow me? Yeah. Wow. Those, those right there, those are two, two powerful stories on determination. And it's funny, I'm reading the book, Outwitting the Devil yep. by Orion Hill. Yeah. <laughs> Yo, that book right there is eye-opening, right? Yeah, I listened to it. I didn't read it, but I listened to the to the audio version. It's pretty awesome. Man, um, many times we we quit too soon, people. Like just because you're you're told no once, yeah, or twice, doesn't mean that it's not for you. Yeah. You know, and many times we we throw in the tower like, oh, okay, well, there's a roadblock there. All right, let me go to the plan B. Right. Go for it, man. Show that heart, man. Wow, that's 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 really so. I didn't ask you, um, what did you run in in track? So I was what? a hundred meter sprinter. Like I ran a hundred to two hundred. Of course, I ran the four by one and the four by four. Um, so my claim to fame is, you know, I ran 1008 and 100 and 20.40 in the 200. And when I tell people that, I'm like, you know, I didn't run that until towards the end of my career. So I didn't run it when I was in college. I think the best in college I ran was like 1042, um, which I, I had a hard time just breaking that 105 barrier. But in high school, to put it in perspective, in Germany at the time, you know, when somebody ran 11 flat, that was like, wow. You know, most guys were running like 11-1, 11-2. So when we had one guy, like when I was a, a senior, he ran like 10-8. It was like, oh, my God, this guy is he's all world. I get to Florida State. And you got guys running like 10-2, which is like, dang. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's they're real out. They're really out here running that fast. So. So for me to to come from where I came from, like 11 second runner to always, you know, to run all the way down to like 10 seconds, it took a little bit of discipline. Um, it took a lot of discipline, really. I think um, I didn't really take it serious like I should. I mean, in college, I was like, I was like straight up and down. Um, I let the distractions distract me. You know what I mean? Like I was one of the athletes that I really had to focus. Like I didn't have it like that. Like I didn't, I didn't have it where it was like you wake up and you can just go out there and run. You know what I'm saying? Like I had to go out there, practice, stretch, warm up, get it right. And so <laughs> when I run fast or if I have a good practice, I go celebrate, right? Celebrate the small wins, but it wasn't like I learned that celebrating the small wins is cool, but you had to keep the perspective. So it's like, give yourself the pat on the back, but it's not it. Like, that's not it. You, yeah. you have to keep your eyes on the main prize. Give yourself the props that you're doing things in the right, you know, moving in the right direction. But at the time it was just like, oh, you had a great practice? Go hang out with your friends. You know what I'm saying? The friends who are not athletes. Are not, yeah. You know what I mean? Like the ones who are gonna stay up late knowing you got six o'clock practice. Um, and uh, it, it, it just, I would just throw away my gains. You know what I'm saying? And so some of the times that I would I would like look like you're going from just regular to like next level, I would mess it up, you know, and 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 like now I as as an older adult, you know, 
talking to young athletes and just young people in general, I always talk about perspective and like, you know, um, seeing, seeing what, what the result of your choice, if you can imagine the, your ideal result and then the not so favorable result, and then which one would you like? And then you make a decision from there, you know? Yeah. So I always found it, um, challenging that in high school and, and in college, right, that our bodies are, are young and we have all this strength and all this speed, but yet we are put through so many responsibilities yeah. and we are expected to make these life-changing decisions. Yep. And our mindset, you know, the distractions, you finally left home and the men or the women and the parties and, you know, it's crazy. There are so many, there's so many people who have talent, who were talented. Yeah. But they just never made it to that next level because of just, I mean, it wasn't easy. Yeah. Yeah. Listen, I had, um, I had, I had a guy, um, super ultra talented. I mean, I, listen, I was at school, you know, I, I, again, I had to work, work hard. So you had guys that came in as freshmen that were running faster than I was as a junior, you know what I mean? Um, but I would outwork them. Like they came in on their talent and I would outwork them with my, my effort. And mm -hmm. uh, there's plenty of athletes that came in, got caught up with the life. Like yeah. you're, you're, you're a Florida state athlete. Like you're, you're like, a superstar and you you're an all-american and we didn't have pull like the basketball or football or baseball team but you're still a prominent athlete you're still traveling you're still you know racing on tv and so some of those some of those people you know got caught up you know yeah. where i'm like man listen you're a student first before you're an athlete you got to go to class you know like and and yeah i didn't have the guts to not just go to class like Again, I, I wasn't that athlete. You know what I mean? I, I didn't have where, okay, they're just going to pass me. I, I wasn't that athlete. Plus, I didn't want that stigma anyway. I wanted them to give me the respect that don't just treat me like an athlete because I'm pretty smart. Right, right, right. Huh. Boom. All right. So, Olympics. Yes. Great time, great experience. I'm sure yeah. you have tons of stories. Yes. Um. Just going to Australia, I mean, in itself, I'm sure was was different from from Florida, from, yeah. from even Germany. Yes. Um, you experienced all of that. Um, now, life after life after the the Olympics, um, what happens next? Because I know many athletes go through these this this high. Right. And then they feel like that's all their purpose is. Yeah. It's just that sport. That's yeah. it. Yeah. And then when that's done, they go into depression, they go into drugs, they crash. So can you share with us about just that? Uh, that transition? Yeah. So uh, it happens all the time. I mean, it doesn't matter what athlete, what this what, what discipline, um, what level. Listen, very few athletes leave high school and play college sports, right? So, so you have great, great, ultra talented 
high school athletes that never make it to the next level. Mm. Um, and that's a challenge and a transition because they've been elevated probably since they were in grade school. Mm. You know, um, if you're fortunate enough to, to play college sports, the, the attention and the elevation is that much greater. It's like, and you go to a major university, you know, Florida State at the time was like 30, 35,000 students. And I was one, one of like 20 on the track team, right? So it's 10, 10% minority, uh, about 10% minority. So you got to think I was still very, very one of one per se. You know what I'm saying? And so spotlight is on, then you become a star. So like now you're elevated to the next level. And then, you know, the Olympics is one of those things where for two weeks prior, three weeks prior, the hype, the whole world has you on a pedestal, right? The whole world. I mean, we landed. And, and again, I ran for uh, a small country called Belize. So I ran for Belize. Um, my parents, naturalized citizens, born and raised in Belize. My dad got a citizenship when he joined the U.S. Army. So that's kind of my backstory. That's how I grew up in Germany. My father joined the military, went to the, went to the went to Vietnam after he came back, married my, my mom. Then they went traveling, ended up in Germany. That's where I was born. Okay. So it didn't matter that I ran for Belize, you know, being an Olympian, you know, when we got to Australia, some of the nicest people you ever meet. I mean, everybody, can I get an autograph? Can I take a picture? You know, very nice people. Um, so again, you're, you're talking about going into, uh, you know, that's, you know, a, we got there a week before the Olympics, the Olympics is two weeks. And then probably about, um, probably about a good week or two after the Olympics is still fresh on people's mind. You're still somewhat special to them, right? To the world. And then people, it, it, it's, it's done. Mm. Right? And then it's like, go back to being who you are. And for me, it was a it was a challenge because hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. so 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 you train <laughs> most of your life, right, to attain this status, yeah, right, of making it to the Olympics, all right, and you make it to the Olympics, and then two weeks after, you're forgotten about. Correct. How crazy! Listen, listen to this. Opening ceremonies, we're all the same. Opening ceremonies, we're all the same. We're all Olympians. Listen, we all started that journey with one goal in mind, and that's to stand on the podium, mm -hmm. right? It's just the day one, that's when everything changes. That's when somebody loses. That's when somebody wins. But walking in, being like, you know, the ceremony of stars and ceremony of the, of the countries, you know, that's when we're all the same. That's when all the the, the NBA stars and, and, and the baseball and the soccer stars, they're all integrated with us. We're all one combined collective Olympic group. You know what I mean? And then um, and then the next day it changes. So like fast forward to the two weeks, if you don't in your discipline move on to the medal round, like I didn't move on to the medal round and you don't stand on the podium, I mean, when people say it was great to just get there, that wasn't your focus. Right. right. That wasn't your desire. So you feel like you disappointed yourself. And, you know, I had I was fortunate enough to have like a mini parade for me when I got back uh, in Georgia. My parents set that up. You know, they did a proclamation. 
all that stuff just didn't mean as much as it should because I didn't come back with any real hardware. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so just imagine the athletes who tried to get there, didn't qualify. They were fourth place in their trials. They only take the top three. You know what I mean? Like that's that's a it's so challenging because this world is so built on winners only that that experience that you have is just one of those things where somebody had to sit me down and say, bro, do you know you made it to the Olympics? Like, right. you know, like most people, like you said, most people don't even leave the state that they were born in, much less, you know, not only did you grow up overseas, you've been on a plane, right? Um, but you've been on the other side of the world and then you competed and then you didn't lose. Like you have to look at those things. And so like, I knew I had some more in the tank. Again, you know, I told a story about trying to get to the league and it didn't work out. So I packed up my bags and I drove to California, started training again, train, tried to make it to the 2004 Olympics and it didn't work itself out. But I went to Europe and I raced in, in Belgium um, and ran probably like 12 races in like three weeks wow. trying to qualify for Athens. And I didn't qualify, but I was racing, making a little bit of money. And um, that was a time where I saw, okay, these athletes, they make money. And if you make your money the way we're making our money over there, none of that money is going to come back to the States. So we're not talking about the, 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 the headliners, right? The headliners are their money is wired in their account. They, they advertise who they are. They're the ones who they sell the tickets in the stands for. But everybody else, lane fillers. We all get paid uh, per per race, per time, per place. And you get an envelope of money per your race. So just imagine, you know, you're racing those, you know, all those times and, you know, getting an a envelope full of a euros do those euros come back to the States and convert into dollars and go to pay your bills and pay your coach and pay all of this, your expenses? Chances are no. And so at that point I saw like athletes, I, I mean, you always heard of it, but you hear of it in the big sports, football, basketball, baseball, um, soccer, maybe, but individual, individual sports, you know, athletes that make money, they tend to not really manifest or, or manage their money correctly yeah. because there's no real discipline. There's a disconnect. And that's kind of what made me start thinking like I can I can help because I see things differently. Mm-hmm. Now, I did go out there and act the fool with the money, but I knew that uh, I knew I had something something bigger than that. You know, like I knew I had a bigger purpose. So I didn't make it to 04 Olympics, drove to California, you know, went to uh, Europe, came back, didn't qualify for Athens. I stayed in, in California. Uh, and then I moved down here, uh, like probably a month before Wilma, probably that that's how I remember when I got here. So that was like in 05. 05. Yeah. So, um, I was, I, I came down here chasing love. You know what I mean? Like it was like, I was given like this ultimatum and, and I minimized what I was doing in California to like, oh, I'm just personal training. And running track, I could do that anywhere, not understanding that environment is everything. Mm-hmm. And so I was at the time with the world's fastest man. That's who I was training with. And I was training with one of the best coaches in the world. And I 
put that to like, oh, I'm just running track and, you know, personal training. And at the time I had probably five celebrity clients. You know, I was training at a place where the gym membership was $300 a month, $1,500 initiation. You know, we were selling like $300,000 of PT a month, that type of gym. You know what I mean? So I threw all that out and said, I'm going to chase my heart. Let me go to South Florida where I never really knew anybody down here and came down here. And uh, it was a struggle for me, like literally a true struggle because I didn't know anybody. And, you know, I knew I was down here for a purpose, um, just didn't really know. And so I went from training with the coach at U University of Miami to uh, finding another local coach that trained some Jamaican athletes to um, finding a coach who at the time was coaching at um, FAU. And I just really stumbled upon him trying to use that track up there. And he said, I'll let you use the track if you let me coach you. And uh, that was in 2007. And from 2007, he got me to run faster than I've ever run in the last you know, four or five years. And I qualified for Beijing. Mm -hmm. So I went to 2000, didn't get to 2004. I was towards the end of my career, but I qualified uh, for Beijing. So that's one of those things where, you know, in 2008, you know, we had heard about this guy, Usain Bolt, when he was younger. You know what I'm saying? We had heard about him. But, you know, the Jason from 1999 became the Jason in 2007, in 2008, because I got my swagger back. Right. right. So when you're talking about Usain Bolt, I'm like, listen, he going to have to see me now on paper. <laughs> listen, on paper. <laughs> He's run faster than me on paper. I didn't care, right? Any true competitor is going to say, you know, let's line it up and then you got to beat me fair and square. I don't care what you've done. It's just you have to do it to me, right? So going into going into Beijing, I, I knew that I was going to have just race after race. It was going to be a PR, like a personal, personal record, personal best, mm -hmm. that I would get to the finals and I would shock the world. Old athlete, older, he was younger. Um, and I was shocked the world. And, you know, it was it was, it was one of those things where, listen, uh, again, I told you I run for Belize, right? So Belize and the United States, when it comes to supportive athletes, totally different. So when I went to China, we had to bring our own uniforms. We had to bring our own warm-ups and all that stuff, which is not the way it's supposed to be. The, the country is supposed to outfit you with you know, a whole arsenal of, of clothes and stuff before you go, you know, over there, you're representing the country, but the country should have the, the apparel for you, all new stuff. And, and they didn't have anything, right? They didn't have necessarily the stuff that we needed. So um, I make a phone call to my, to my parents. Hey, how, how, how are things? They're asking me how things are in, in China. And I was like, it's different over here. You know, um, but you wouldn't even believe this is son to parents, right? right? This is private conversation over the phone. Um, you know, they you, you can't believe that, you know, Belize, they didn't send us with any gear. I'm over here training in my gear. I don't even know if I can if I'm gonna have my same gear that I wear in practice if that's what I'm gonna compete in. And I'm like, I didn't even bring the necessary gear. So my mom sends an email. To her friend just like 
very, very, very disappointing email to one of her good friends. That flipping email gets forwarded and forwarded and forwarded and forwarded and forwarded and made its way to Belize and made its way to the newspaper. And they chopped up my mom's email and put it into the newspaper and, and said, Belize sends athletes to Beijing unprepared. Wow. So I get this, you know, kind of like pulled into the room when I came back from training one day and they threw the newspaper at me and was like, can you tell me what this is? And I'm like, this is like the manager of the group that took us to Beijing. And I was like, no, what is this? They said, who have you been talking to? Did you get interviewed by a newspaper? And I said, no, I haven't talked to anybody besides my parents. And um, they said that I embarrassed the country and essentially was trying to send me home. Huh. I'm in China. Wow. I, I, did, didn't, I did nothing but talk to my parents, just frustrated. And because of what, you know, what they deemed that my mom said, and she said something in confidence to one of her friends who felt like that was an injustice being done. And so, you know, everybody takes it upon themselves to want to do right if they feel like it's right. So I tell you this story because Belize, um, they ended up, so like when it comes to smaller contingencies, smaller um, countries, every country has their own like liaison. Every liaison has their own private car. And so the private car is given to these athletes in these countries. So like you don't have to take the, the bus with all the athletes to go to the different venues. And so there was another athlete he raced. Um, they ended up taking him in a private car, taking him to, he let to eat breakfast and then he took him to the, to the facility for him to compete. So he didn't have to like wait in the line and like he could really focus and zone out. When my stuff happened, they were like, we're not going to give you the car. You're going to have to get up and eat breakfast with everybody else and make sure you get to the track in time for your, your time trial and your warm up and all that stuff. So my coach was there as well. They didn't want to give my coach any accreditation. So basically, my coach couldn't come to the practice field because he didn't have the necessary accreditation to get into the facilities. So my coach, the day of my race, we're talking on the phone. He's somewhere in the stands. He wasn't in the back where with the practice track with all the other athletes and their coaches right. By because of what happened, right? So my coach kind of gave me my pep talk. He was like, make sure you do, you know, we went through our series, of our, our race plan. Right. And um, and when I warmed up, I think I warmed up too early. I had too much on my mind. You know, I ended up going out there to race. I believe I got fourth. Right. Um, and I had third lockdown and I got fourth. Right. The top three advance the next slowest times coming on time. But the guy who won the race, he didn't run fast enough. So fourth place was a slow time. Slow time for me, but it wouldn't advance on time because the very first, that I was in heat four, I think heat three was Usain Bolt, right? So Bolt and his heat ran out of the track. They ran like a super fast time. So their fourth place was faster than our first place guy. So just the top three of our of our heat moves on. Nobody else moves on because of time. So coming off the curve, I knew I had third place. 
I looked up at the Tron, like the like the you know the, the, the camera at the top, the, the the screen, and I was just like, okay, all I have to do is hold on to this. I didn't have the greatest race, but I was like, let me hold on. When I saw the guy in my peripheral come up on me, I knew I could hold on, right? I, I thought I could hold on, but towards the end of a race, if you press, you lose, right? So if you press, you lose. You have to relax, but you have to have the momentum coming, coming down the home stretch. When the guy passed me one stride, that killed my confidence. And I immediately started thinking, this damn, this damn country, they won. You know what I'm saying? Like they they won, meaning they uh Hmm. they won because I wasn't able to compartmentalize the problem and just focus on the task at hand. And I started out my, this is in the race I'm running. And I was just like, I, I let them beat me. You know what I'm saying? I thought I was stronger than that. So I went, and, and again, it's crazy because I went to, after I went, I didn't even talk to any media, didn't talk to anybody, just grabbed my clothes, put my clothes on wanted to hurry up and get out of the stadium, right? My coach is calling me. I didn't care. I want to hurry up and get in the stadium. My eyes full of water, right? Yeah. Um, because I'm like, I can't believe I allowed them to get me, right? I should have been able to use this as fuel, but I used it as a, as like a, as like a, a weight vest. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so that was some of the stuff that has kind of fueled me where you don't have that much power. I can't give you that much power. So if there's something I really want to do, I'll I'll focus my mind and I won't see anything different. So I won't allow you to I won't allow you to put your limitations on my life. I won't allow you to put your your issues that you may have outside of me. You can't put that on me because I already let it happen once. Mm -hmm. One of the best, probably most amazing times of my life. I remember running down that home stretch like. This wasn't this wasn't supposed to be my only race. Yeah. Like we planned to race four times. You know what I'm saying? So yeah, that's my story, man. So wow. I get kind of passionate because it's like it 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 upsets me because I was at least strong enough to to get to the race. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of athletes that would have like self-sabotaged themselves where they didn't even get to the race. They would have just been like either spazzed out or you know, essentially not been able to focus you know what i mean but i, I commend myself for release getting through the race but it's kind of helped me just fully fully focus on like i, I can't be stopped mm, wow so all that you experience in yeah. those call it eight years um call it 12 years really right. Right. Um, how did that help you off the field? How did that help you in other aspects of your life? Yeah. So as I was sharing, you know, I'm I'm strong enough mentally to be able to overcome. But what it allowed me to do is kind of like take it out of me and say, you know, if I went through it, I know there's a lot of other athletes that have that are going through it on every level that i came through and so most men don't even speak they don't even talk right they don't even share and then much less some of the 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 the, the challenges that they that they have to face they either they internalize it and that's why there's a lot of mental health challenges right now 
Um, uh, so what I went through, I now am a resource. And so I, I really, I can, I can empathize with some of these young athletes. I mean, I feel like I, I'm fairly young looking. So when I tell somebody like, yo, I'm in my forties, like, really? I'm like, yeah. So I know like from your twenties and your thirties, and maybe even your late tw late teens, twenties and your thirties, I've been there. And I've been to like, where I wasn't the fastest, I wasn't the best, I wasn't this, like I had to earn it all. So I know where you're at and, and I come to you where you're at. So I'm not expecting you to know it all, but I'm also going to help you kind of talk yourself through it and work yourself through it. And so that's kind of where I feel like what I've been through, I'm able to relate to more people. And so not only just athletes, but just, you know, general population, because, you know, general population, at least us as athletes, we have an excuse, right? And we have something to like distract us from like what we're going through. Just imagine a person who doesn't have the distraction. At least we have a, a like an out, like mm -hmm. I can go to the gym or I can go to the track and I can kind of let go of some of my frustration. But when you don't have any type of true routine, except for going to work and coming home or, you know, dealing with the kids and, and dealing with your spouse, it's like, you don't have any true outlet. Mm -hmm. Like now I have, I, I can help because I can understand and I can share and I'm, I'm here. You know, one of the things that I get all the time is like, you're so easy to talk to. It, it's like, I try not to let people dump on me, but listen, I just know that it's, it's sometimes people just want to talk. Yeah. Right? And um, case in point, the guy who built my office, you know, one day I'm calling him because he still had to come over here and fix, you know, this outlet. And that man, 60 something years old, that man cried to me over the phone because he was frustrated because he does such righteous work. And these people are taking advantage of him and, and don't want to pay him what he's doing. Like for 45 minutes, I sat there and listened to that guy. Huh. You know what I mean? And, and the call was. I was calling for something for myself, but I ended up turning around and saying, you know what? Yeah, I'm gonna listen. Okay. Yeah. You know what? Listen. And I just built him up. Right. And, um, people don't have that. They don't have the, the support system. And, and again, most people feel like they don't need it, but we all need it. We all need that, that, uh, that person that could just feed into us and, you know, you know, pour into us and give us just, if nothing else, say, you know what? You are awesome. You know what I'm saying? Like, you are pretty dope. And so when I tell them, listen, you made a box into, you know, five offices in a break room. Like, that's pretty dope. So I had to let him, you know, build him back up to say, listen, don't even worry about those people. Like, your work is, your work is phenomenal. And so that's where it comes down to. Like, we all can be that, that catalyst to change. I mean, there's times I need that. You know what I mean? Like there's times I need that just just that reassurance that I'm not that I am somebody, you know. And so I feel like if I can share that with people, even if it's something small, it kind of works itself out. Definitely, definitely. That right there, my brother, is a example of walking in your purpose, right? Mm -hmm. That what you're doing for a living or even in just your interaction is more than just a face or more than just a number is bigger than just a, a client. 
I will, I train clients for a living and yes, clients have goals, but there have been many occasions where that specific day, my client just wanted a shoulder to, to cry on. Yep. You know what I mean? And they yep. weren't getting that from anywhere else. So I, I realized that and I was like, you know what? Today, I'm not going to be the drill sergeant. Yeah. <laughs> Today, I'm just going to be a friend. Yes. You know? So, wow. That powerful, powerful, powerful. Yeah. Um, now, we're going to go into a portion of the podcast where people like to crack jokes, right? Yeah. Um, we talk about colors, all right? Colors are everywhere. So, in this portion, I will mention an array of, of different colors. Okay. And color... I mentioned you will just give one word or one phrase or one image that comes to mind. Okay. There is no right or wrong answer. Everybody's answers are different. Yeah. If you watch previous podcasts, you know, I may say brown and somebody might say chocolate. Okay. Somebody might say poop. Yeah. <laughs> there is no right or wrong answer. So whatever comes to you. All right, cool. Are you ready? Yeah, yeah. All right, those in the comments, <laughs> get ready. Have fun. All right. Feel free to jump in. Feel free to mention what comes to your mind on different colors. All right. Here we go. Color number one, red. First thing that comes to my mind, rose, red rose. Mm. Okay. Yeah. Color number two, blue. Blue. My son's favorite color. Mm, okay. My son is battling between red and blue right now. I'm not sure what. Yeah. All right, here we go. Color number three, orange. Orange, that line behind you. Okay. Yeah. Okay, good. Let's put it together. Yellow. Yellow. Hmm. Interesting. A banana. <laughs> that is the first on the Blaze of Man podcast. No one has ever said a banana or even a fruit for that matter. Okay. Wow. Good, good, good. Let's keep it to this theme behind me. Okay. Black power. Power. Yeah. Uh, why is that funny, Sadie? <laughs> They're laughing at your banana. Oh. <laughs> I eat bananas every day, so it's crazy. Uh, man. Me too, me too. I love bananas. All right, let's keep going. Yeah. Next color, clear. Clear? Yeah. Windshield. Mm. Okay. There goes Sunita laughing too. <laughs> All right, clear. Uh, windshield. Okay, good, good, good. Here we go. Gold. One of my fraternity colors mm, okay black gold, gold yeah man alpha okay. alpha fraternity incorporated got to represent represent it represent it yeah all right let's keep that same theme going silver silver second place mm, okay so it's only right bronze bronze uh the second loser. Mm. Mm. <laughs> All 
Bless you. That may be the first time I've sneezed online. All these times. All right, we have two more colors, two more colors. Here we go. I know they are waiting for this certain color. I'm, I'm not gonna say it yet. I may not say it tonight, we'll see. Here we go. White. White. Oh, man. Paper. Paper, okay. Yeah. Okay. It's coming, guys. It's coming, it's coming, it's coming. All right, let's do two more colors because, all right, here we go. Gold, no, sorry, not gold. I'm sorry, I said it already. Green. Green, cash. Cash, cash. All right. And the final color, which they've been saying all through the chat. So if you're able to see the chat, you already know what it is. Last color is purple. Purple, royalty. Royalty. Yeah. Uh, yes. That's what I that's what I see as well. Uh, royalty. I remember somebody said when they hear the color purple or see the color purple, they think of their aunt's funeral. Oh wow. Mm -hmm. So you really just just never know. Right. Never know what, what somebody's thinking and what their experiences are. All right. You pass the test. Okay. <laughs> right or wrong answer. I just like to to do that because colors are powerful. Yeah. And colors are different for a reason. Mm -hmm. Right. If this lion behind me, if this lion was green and white, the vibe, the energy would be totally different. Absolutely. You know what I mean? So yeah. colors, even in like logos of businesses, they use certain colors strategically mm -hmm. on purpose to catch your attention and also also to invoke a certain energy, whether it is an energy of a color that's safe. So it's a company that you feel is trusted or safe, or if it's a color that exudes power or fierceness, anger, you know, every, colors are, are everywhere. Colors are powerful. So yep. definitely, definitely, definitely. Now, the elephant in the room that everybody here has experienced in one way or another, this pandemic, whether people believe it or not, whether people call it the China virus or the worldwide virus or whatever your views on it are, it's still here. Um, has it affected you these past 12 months? And if so, how? It's crazy you asked me about it today. Um, my good friend, my best friend, uh, his mother-in-law, she passed away from COVID, mm -hmm. complications of COVID uh, in the summer. Uh, my son today just tested positive for COVID. Oh, wow. He's 13. Um, and, uh, you know, when COVID hit or kind of got, you know, shut the whole world down, believe it or not, like me as an accountant, I was part of quote unquote essential workers because they allowed us to still work. We It happened during tax season. So they allowed us to still kind of work to get these tax returns done, to get this, the people to get their refunds, to put it back into the economy when the whole world shut down for 60 days. But it was just, uh, it affected my business initially because not only am I an accountant, but I also have a couple of investments and I had an Airbnb 
that that month of March last year should have cleared me <laughs> closer to like 40K. And it cleared me nothing because, you know, the people that came in town, they got to cancel their, their bookings and we had to refund them their money. And like all of that shifted everything. And yeah. so, you know, and then the tax business was slow down and, um, but I picked up in another area of my business, which is credit repair. So it kind of, you know, people were running out of money and, 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 and losing everything. You know, I had a segment of, of business that was growing and, um, even my other segment of business with life insurance, that kind of started growing as well. So for for people who are who are losing, you know, we had a whole segment of population that was winning, you know. And so, yeah, it, yeah definitely the shift. But, you know, I, I had you had to figure out a pivot. Right. You had to learn. You had to figure it out. If you didn't figure it out, you got left behind. And so you had to figure out, like, OK, can I see clients virtually? Can I handle my business virtually? Speak yeah. about it. Do I have to, you know, do I have to really see people? Can I do things this way? And and that's just the nature of like the human experience. And so if you're if you're able to make the adjustments, then no matter what happens, right, you should be able to function. Um, as far as my personal opinion, um, I knew it was real. I just didn't know like to what extent. I know that they're in my heart of heart feeling, I feel like there's something bigger than just people getting sick. I mean, again, you know, my best friend's mother-in-law, you know, she passed away, um, not taking nothing away from her fitness or her health or underlying conditions. I mean, was 2020 her year? Nobody knew that. Right. And so all the people who have passed away, was it their year? Was it, was it not? I mean, now it hit home. I mean, we, I call myself, you know, you know, impervious to pain and, and I don't get I never get sick. And I have my kids with the same mindset. They don't feel pain. They don't get sick. If they get sick, they only get sick for a moment because they push out the sickness. Yeah. So when my when my son hits me today and says, Dad, I got some bad news. I'm like, you know, it, it was sad. And I was like, damn, I wish I can come over there and grab it from you and take it from you, you know, because all of my kids life. If they get sick, I dive on them. Give it to me. Let me, if you're going to pass it, pass it to me so I can take it away from you. And this is just one thing I can't take from them. So it's like, you know, it's it's a real thing. It hit hard. It, it, it's like hit home. But ultimately, you know, I'm, 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 I'm going to keep fighting, right? And keep keeping, keeping right. And um, the idea of, um, you know, my wife is a is a pharmacist, so she's she keeps me and keeps all of us kind of like safe and taking the right vitamins and 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 everything that we're supposed to do. So like for my son to get hit like this, it's like we went through the whole friggin' last year doing everything correct. And this is what happened. So. But yeah, it's real. It's real to my family. You know, uh, my parents are older, so both my parents are fully retired, 75 and 68, you know, they're actually like full-time in Belize right now. So, okay. you know, the idea was for them to stay in Belize. But before, Belize was one of the countries that that had no COVID, you know, outbreaks or anything like that. And now that country is, is one of the countries they have on the list, the CDC list for Americans not to travel to. 
Oh wow! Because it's like three hundred thousand people there, and then the amount of positive cases, and I think the few deaths that are there, you know, the percentage is so high because it's not that many people. Like three hundred thousand, you know, when you have 10, 15, 20 people that are sick out of three hundred thousand, that's a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. But yeah, I, I the the mentality is to stay positive. Um, one thing I do know traveling the world is um, we as a we as a human race we overcome. Like, and again, like Americans, when you travel outside the United States, everybody wants to come to the United States. Believe it or not, as much as people talk about this is the worst country, like, nah, I've been to some countries before, like. I've been to some third world countries where the kids are, you know, outside of, you know, Wendy's and McDonald's, just like looking in there, like wanting food and begging for like, it's, I've been to those countries where you see the poor, poor, poor. Yeah. And the super rich and there's no middle class. So America is that country that gives you hope. So the hope that I have is that we all can come together and get over this. You follow me? Like, mm -hmm. Cause we all have that common, that common, believe it or not, no matter what we went through over the summer, like leave the United States and look, look at like how the world sees us. They don't see on color. They see us as a, as, as an American people. And uh -huh. so like when you're outside the United States and you hear that song, proud to be, a, you know, proud to be an American, where at least I know I'm free. It feels so much stronger. Cause like, even though it seems like we have so much diversity here or so much adversity here and division here, when you leave the country and you look at like wanting to see how America is seen and viewed, it's like, if we only knew how the world saw us, they only see us as one. They don't see us as divided, but we see, we divide ourselves. You know what I mean? Crazy. So, you know, it's kind of like off topic, but um, the whole thing is, you know, the pandemic, kind of revealed a lot of it revealed a lot to a lot of people like does your business is your business truly sustainable is your relationship truly sustainable is your mental health sustainable like do you need to talk to somebody do y'all need to talk to somebody does your business need a coach to like hey you need some help to to get your business up and running or do you need to go out of business and go back to working for somebody you know what I mean? Like all those things were revealed during the pandemic. Yeah, definitely. One, 100 percent. Definitely. Um, I started a podcast. Yeah. <laughs> in the pandemic. That's yeah. not one of my goals in 2019. Right. You know what I mean? So, yeah, uh, it's it's a shift. It's definitely a shift. And as you mentioned, it's it's how you pivot, it's how you move, it's how you see it, and it affects people differently. Um, knock on wood. Right. So far, I've been okay. I did get sick yeah. this year, but I tested twice, and and it wasn't COVID. Sometimes folks forget that the common cold is still around. Right. Right. <laughs> it's it's still there. If you have a fever, it's not right. automatically COVID. Right. Right, right. If you sneeze like I just did, like it's not automatically, you know, right. but it, it is real. And in the same sense, um, I know many people who have been good all this time 
And this week, last week, they finally got it. Right. You know what I mean? So, and every state is different. Every city is different. And we could go on and on about certain states are on on lockdown. Mm -hmm. And other states are like, COVID who? Right. What's that? Yeah. <laughs> I'd be going to the club. Like, we ain't even worried about, you know? So it's all different. But um, on this platform, I, I love to being able to educate. I love mm -hmm. being able to identify, right, those challenges, those obstacles, right? Yeah. And, and giving each other hope, mm -hmm. being able to, to share stories, to share experiences with, with others. And folks listening may get that aha moment, like, oh, did you catch what he just said? Now I get it. Yeah. Now I understand what I need to do. You yeah. know, they may not have been able to go to the Olympics per se, but just in how you shared your story and just the, the ups and downs and the expectations versus, you know, like reality. And even when you said that you weren't like many people will assume that, oh, you're just born. You're just naturally talented. Yeah. And that your talent and whatever it is, your talent can get you through, but talent only goes so far. Right. Right. Okay. Being able to be a hard worker, being able to have a goal and be determined and maintain consistency. Right. You know, brings brings results because things will change. The unexpected will change. They may bring in a brand new coach. Right. You're bringing a whole brand new staff. Your job your 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 boss last year may have been easygoing, may mm -hmm. have had your back, and they brought in a new boss this year, and they push your buttons, and you're about ready to quit, and all this, and maybe that's your lesson. Maybe that's where you got to dig deep inside, and you know what I mean? Yeah. And really push, and just really really see what you are made of. So. Right. You know, I always say you can control your choices. Um, if you can control how you respond. So your response, you can control your responses, you control your world. You know what I mean? I got two boys, right? 10 and 13. They push each other's buttons all the time. So I'm like, okay, so who's the puppet and who's the puppet master, right? Because um, at the end of the day, who is the one that's controlling? They both control each other. So I'm like, listen, control your reaction, control your response. You can yeah. control your life. and. That's one of the things that I, I try to share with like adults, right? Um, because at the end of the day, if you allow somebody to provoke you, if you allow somebody to, to push you or prod you or poke you, you've given them power over you. You know what I mean? And so as long as you know who you are, and there's a lot of self-talk that you got to talk to yourself and calm yourself and put yourself to a different space in your mind so that you're able to endure. And so we tend to listen to the beat up talk in our head, but we never listen to the motivational talk in our own head. You know what I mean? And so yeah. when you get to a place where you're, when you can like, oh, okay, you don't have to respond. You don't have to respond. That's not necessary. That's not necessary. In your head, it's easy. It's like, it's, you know, I say it all the time. You got to bite your tongue and swallow the blood. You know what I'm saying? It's like, not everything is meant for a response. Yeah. You know, case in point, I got an email last night so I have a client um, 
that uh made a lot of money this past year and so he he essentially made a lot of money he's a w-2 employee made a lot of money but paid a lot in taxes so i shared with him hey i think you know moving forward you should start a like a little side hustle to offset some of your your taxes right because you're paying a lot in taxes he's young he's making great money so he was like yeah i have these different investment accounts through my financial advisor and so i came back in the same email and i said listen i think you 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 earn too much to be in those investment opportunities you know um you should look into this other opportunity so he was like let me cc or bring in my financial advisor to to basically see if between you and him you can help me out so okay. the advisor comes in and leaves and writes like a whole dissertation email essentially um trying to justify his positioning mind you i never said what you're doing is incorrect my job is to not only just prepare your taxes but put together a tax plan so that you can have some tax savings my job is tax savings and essentially position you to tax-free retirement so the financial advisor sends this long crazy email just like identifying his strategies on what he does and where why he's telling his client to do x y and z now i could have responded like do you know who i am right again it's like do you know who i am like first let's let's talk about what i've accomplished i could have said like you're just this but i'm this person over here just because it came off so are you just a tax preparer? Like mm. I have, I have my, my, my securities license and I'm, and I, and I have this advanced degree. That's how it came off. And that's how it was written. It was written. Like you, you don't know who I am. So let me just share. And he used a lot of big words and, and like, yeah, I, 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 I could have really, you know, went in like professionally to really just like show him, show show to arc mutual client in, in common how this guy is you know charging you every time he does something for you like his strategy cost you money my strategy earns you money you know what i mean so it's like i could have and i didn't i waited i waited a whole 24 hours i haven't even responded yet because i was like had i responded in a moment it was like you know, not only have I come, have I accomplished, um, I have a master's degree. I did go to the two Olympics and I did, I, you know, I could have like started listing all of my accomplishments before I even responded to what he said, right. you know what I mean? Almost to be as douchebaggish as he was to me. Right. It was, it's not warranted because at the end of the day, he still has the ear of my client. You know what I mean? So like by me belittling him, it would have not served me any purpose and maybe i would have lost the client because this other guy is um already has like somewhat of a control because he's already in a position does that make sense yeah 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 so so like i take my own advice i'm like no nah, man it's not even worth it like do your part come back and say listen listen i the goal is for us to work together um i'm not trying to undo anything i'm simply talking about tax-free and we can just position 5% of his income. You take everything else. 
you know, really, really de-escalate the situation because at the end of the day, the goal is to be fiduciary, which is, which means, you know, my clients, you know, needs before, before my own. Sure. And so sure. I can, I can easily show where he's not being fiduciary and he could see it. And so like, he's more like, Oh, I'm not going to lose my commission. I'm not going to lose my commission to this guy. And I'm like, I never, it, it was never supposed to be like that. It was just like, you you made this much money you paid a lot in taxes let's figure out a way to offset some of these taxes yeah. not like take away what you're doing you know what i mean yeah. so you always got to position yourself to be the bigger person and it's and it's sometimes it sucks man because i wish i had the ability to be that guy like just and then come back and say i apologize man i apologize i was acting out of character i can't do that i don't have that I don't really have it in me. It's just not a, really my personality. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I'm like, God, why did you give me this patience? Like, why did you give this to me? You could have gave me something else, but you gave me this patience. So God don't make mistakes though. Right. You're right. And God's always one step ahead. So very true. Yeah. Sure. Even when we don't understand it all, many times we are, we're, we're not supposed to understand it all. Right. Absolutely. So awesome. Awesome. Awesome, man. I want to say thank you so much, man, just for all your gems, uh, for your time, for your for your honesty, for your transparency. Uh, you helped me. OK. Helped me. And um, that's a lot of love, man. That's a lot of love. Hearing hearing your story um, shined a whole lot of light. And they're saying so as well in the chat. I appreciate that. Definitely. So in closing, um, and I don't know about you, but I feel like, man, we could dive into to so much more. <laughs> I truly feel that like we could go on for like another hour in this. Yeah. Um, but I do know that it is a week now and many people, and I respect people's time. So that just hints at us to possibly do a part two. All right. So in closing, uh, what I ask all my guests is, is there a phrase, is there a quote, is there a short story, anything that in closing you would like to leave with those listening, with, with those watching who may be struggling, who may be lost or confused? Yeah, so um, first and foremost, I want to give a shout out to my guy, DJ Cherry uh dj the artist he he created this amazing um mural on my wall back here of of the late great kobe bryant um so i i, I don't have a true quote but i have a shirt that i bought that i wear a lot that says be you they will adjust mm. so, because i feel like we are all trying to fit what people think who we should be and um, when you can own, own like, own like who you are, and be comfortable with who you are, takes the pressure off of everything mm. because you don't have to fake it. You're just yourself. Now, if you have a horrible attitude, if you're like a really mean person, yeah, maybe you maybe you have some soul searching to do because I think we all are fundamentally good people. So you know, I always say, listen, just just be yourself, right? Everybody else will adjust to you. And then the universe as a whole 
will bring people into your circle that will help like redefine that and re re reconfirm who that is, who, who you are to this world. And so we all have a contribution to give to this world. Once you find it, you know, work towards it and um, press into that. So that's kind of, I, I leave your listeners um, with that. I appreciate the time. I appreciate just, you know, just the opportunity. You know, we have a friend in common. We have two friends in common, right? So I, I appreciate the the idea of bringing me on and, and listen, I'm here. You know, I, I, I was thinking the same thing. Like, you know, I wanted to start a podcast, but I, I never got around to it. You know, I, I made the excuses. How is anybody going to listen to me? Um, nobody's going to do this. Nobody's going to like, I made all of that stuff. Right. But at the end of the day, you know, listening to you, seeing you kind of like jump out there in your busy schedule. I'm like, well, shoot, if he could do it, <laughs> let me figure out how I could do it. You know, like earmark some time, figure it out and yeah. um, maybe learn from you and then and then kind of like do something like this, because I think it's powerful. I mean, at the end of the day, we all have something to share and there's somebody, some That's one it. person that will learn from whatever you share, whatever I share. And maybe, you know, a lot of times when you talk to people, you typically are talking to yourself indirectly. And as long as you say it out of your mouth, your ears are going to hear it. And so now it becomes believable. Hmm. So I always talk about like, say it to yourself out loud. So you're going to believe it because we believe what we say. So I always tell my kids, be careful what you say. Yeah. Cause you don't believe it, you know? So another gem, right? I, 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 it's another <laughs> thing, right? So it wasn't on purpose, but like, just be careful what you say and speak, speak only on those things that you really want to hold on to. If somebody speaks something negative over your life, choose not to repeat it and allow somebody to say, you know, whatever, whatever about you. Okay. Sounds good. That's what you say. Not what I say. Ooh, I like that. Yeah. I like that. Choose not to repeat it. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Because we'll do that. Somebody yeah. will say something negative and we'll repeat it in conversation to our friends or yeah. Whatever it is. And you believe what you might say this about me. And then you just you put that into the atmosphere out of your own lip, out of your own body, like off your own lips. Like so you just essentially put it into the world. Like, nah, let somebody else listen. The world is gonna talk about you regardless. Regardless. They did, they did that to Jesus, right? If you believe in the good book, they did that to Jesus. They they spoke about him and they praised him at the same time, mm -hmm. right? With the same breath. So it's like, what makes you different? You just get to control it because you're not going to even acknowledge it. Yeah. No life to it. You know what I mean? So I love that. Um, in the comments, Sunita said, Jason has a whole lot of stories behind that big smile. Oh, that's so funny. Definitely. We, we got more, we got more before we go. All right. I know you have many avenues right now. You have many outlets where you can help people. Um, before we go in closing, share exactly what services you offer okay. and how people can reach you. All right. So I am an accountant and I'm a licensed advisor. Uh, I specialize in taxes, tax planning, uh, and insurance. Uh, my company is called Olympic Star Advisors. It is in Cooper City. Um, you can reach me at olympicstaradvisors.com. Uh, I have Olympic Star Advisors, my IG, uh, my personal IG is I am Jason Jones. 
So I-M-J-A-Y-S-O-N-J-O-N-E-S on Instagram. Facebook is the same thing, Jason Jones, Olympic Star Advisors on the business side of Facebook. Twitter is Advisor Star. Um, and, and then my phone number, the office number is 954-900-3327. Um, I'm here to help. Uh, again, the goal is it's not just tax prep, it's tax planning, but it's also not just, you know, life insurance, the traditional sense. Um, it's about, you know, sharing to folks about how you use life insurance as an investment tool and how you can stash away money for the future through life insurance. And like, you know, when you learn little things like that, you want to share it with everybody. You know, you want to share that with everybody. And so my my goal is to share it with as many people that will listen. And um, it doesn't matter how old or how, un or how young you are, I can help you. And if nothing else, uh, let's work out together because I work out all the time. We can go running at the park. Like I still keep in shape. I'm still fit. Uh, my son is 13. Uh, I'm basically his training partner. I basically told him that I'll run with him until he outruns me. And then I'll just coach him on, you know, afterwards. So I will be in shape for uh, probably for the next five to seven years or more because I plan to be my son's coach until he, until he gets to the, to the Olympics himself. So, yeah. So you guys heard that here to all my runners. All right. Jason wants all the smoke. Yeah. All right. So if anybody wants to run, if anybody wants to work out, hit him up on, he gave you all several ways you can reach him via social media. All right. Straight like that. I want to thank you all for listening and for watching the Blaze the Lion podcast. I am your host, Blaze, that guy. And tonight's guest was the amazing Jason Jones. Thank you again, my brother, for your expertise, for your education, and just for your humility, because that also is so powerful. True indeed, true indeed. Thank, Thank you all. Make sure you tune in. All right, we have lots of guests this month. This month's theme is, out, is overcoming adversity. Also, remember, if you would like to support the movement, all right, anchor.fm slash blaze the lion slash support. And you can be a monthly subscriber to the channel, to the movement. All right. Peace and love to everybody. I love y'all. Like, like for real. Like, I am only a small part. You guys are the ones who actually run the show. Because otherwise, it would just be me and random people talking. So it's truly, truly you guys that continue this show that continue just to help me and just to press me along, right? So you are strong, you have vision, you have purpose. So find your purpose, walk in your purpose. Yes? Yes. Awesome. Yeah, man. Love you all. Uh, this was the Blaze the Lion podcast. Yeah.